Episode 3 of the History Teacher podcast takes us over the Atlantic Ocean to 19th century USA as we assess whether or not the Wild West was really deserving of such a title. We all have an image in our heads of what we think the Wild West was like, but how far off the reality are we? In this episode, we've got a lot of law and order. We talk about Billy the Kid, about why people went west in the first place. And we also discuss the peop- about the people who were there in the west before the USA muscled in, the Blades Indians. We've got three debutants on the podcast as more and more students are coming forward to volunteer, which is great to see. And the three we've got with us this week have done a magnificent job with some meticulous planning. And they've got some really interesting thoughts. We got as high as 17th in the Apple Education podcast charts last time. So if you are enjoying the podcast, please give us a subscribe and rate us. But most importantly, pass us on to others. Because the more listeners we get, the higher we'll get in the charts. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at HistTeacherPod. And so to the Wild West. Get your history pants on, strap in, and let's head to the 19th century USA. Well, welcome to the third episode of the History Teacher podcast. And we've got some new additions to the cast, completely new. One of whom has forgotten to print his facts off. But we won't hold that against him, because he's. He, but we can talk about him now and say what we like, really, because he, he's, he's not here. Um, but we've got... Isabel. Beth. And we've also got somebody. I'll let him introduce himself when he comes in. That'll be that'll be good for him. And this this topic, it, we we've all seen Wild West films and things in the media, and I've even said it there. Wild West films. The whole point of this question is that the whole point of this podcast and the question surrounding it is: Was the Wild West actually wild, or is that whole thing just a complete myth? So, who wants to start us off first with their first fact? I guess me then. Okay. okay. Um, So my first point, I'm arguing that the Wild West was wild. The migration across America to the West happened pretty quickly. So what really made this happen was the gold rush in California in 1849. Um, Six years later, there were 300,000 people who had migrated there. Um, Because new mining towns were springing up so quickly because of prospectors moving there in search of gold, there wasn't enough law enforcement to deal with this. So in these mining towns, it was uncontrollable and it was wild. There were crimes like claim jumping and claim dusting. Claim jumping when someone would leave their plot and another man would steal it. Claim dusting is when another claim dusting is where someone would put gold dust on a plot so that the competition would waste their time on a plot with no gold. There was murder, robbery, prostitution, and violence that was fueled by alcohol, bad luck at card games, and fights over women. So in mining towns, it was wild. In some, in some mining towns, um, they made miners' courts to help settle claims, but in most of them, it was uncontrollable. I've learned something new there. I'd never heard of um, dusting, that claim dusting. That's in, where, where did you find that then? Miss Cameron told us about it. Ah, good old Miss Cameron. Oh, look, here he is. It's all right, we, we've sort of introduced you with you forgetting to print things off, but you get to introduce yourself now. Our, our guest, new to the cast, the man himself, we've got... Riley. 
Fantastic. And now he's got his things. He's ready. We've, we've just heard, I've just learned something completely new myself, which is that they did something called claim dusting. Amazing that. What they used to do is used to get gold and dust it in a particular area. So the competition would go and think, oh, there's gold in this area and dig there. And it would send people off the scent to somewhere else so that if you knew somewhere where there actually was gold, you've got rid of your competition. It's a great idea. What did... What what did you think, Riley, um, about the wildest? Was your conclusion that it was wild or that it wasn't? It was wild. Um, I, I talked about the gold rush a lot. So, like you say, about the gold, because massive amounts of people moving to one area and not really aware to police it. Um, and also the, the amount of wealth there, so it makes people crazy as it is. Um, so other factors like Code of the West and stuff like that um, made it, I think, very wild, especially around the gold rush time. Okay, so the gold rush, where where did the gold rush take place? Because we think America, I often try to get across this to my classes by tracing Great Britain and then moving Google Maps over America. It is huge. The gold rush was mostly happening where? California. California. Wait till I get the mic there today. Yeah, so, um, yeah it's in California. So then the Wild West was not just California. So we've got the gold rush in California. Have we got any other examples of the West being wild? Or not being wild, as the case may be. What do you, we, we're going to hear from, from Beth now. What are we going for? Wild or not wild? Not wild. Not wild. Um, basically, in the, there were 19th century dime novels that had really glorified the whole idea of it um, being a really wild West. Um, so the East had a higher crime rate when you really look into it than the West, which is um, in contrast to what Izzy said, where she was uh, talking about the high crime rates in the West. Well, most of the towns actually had really strict gun laws, so it kind of um, contradicted the whole shootouts and stuff. And um, dime novels also glorified the whole um, the Indian civilization and American cowboys and stuff like really being really violent with each other. <laughs> So we've talked about the, the gold rush and we've talked about um, maybe lawlessness or not lawlessness in town, maybe the East being even worse. Perhaps I can bring in an example of, of why it might not have been quite so wild. Just to support you, because you're outnumbered here at the moment, aren't you, Beth? Um, there, was a, there was a cow town, which we don't learn about. Can you name any famous cow towns? Abilene. 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 What's yeah. my little thing to, to remember? Abilene. Have I have I made you cringe about that in the class before? What, what's that hair product that sounds like Abilene? Yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe he's born with it. Uh, who would be born? There we go. Yeah. And who who might have been born with it? Who created Abilene? Same name as some Chris. Joseph McCoy. Joseph McCoy. Yeah. I don't know if McCoy is Chris because they've got a bit of a cowboy theme. I don't know if they're named after him. But anyway. Um, there is a different cow town because lots of cow towns rose up uh, after this. And for, the, for those people who are unsure about what a cow town was, with the famous cattle drives which went on in the West and they had to drive the cows uh, many, many miles, they were driving the cows, moving the cows all these miles to get them to a railway, to a railhead, where they would be able to get them on the railways to transport them to the East. And the reason they do this is because the price of a cow in the East, in the cities like New York and Boston was uh, 10 times as much as it, you would be able to get for them in Texas, which is where the cattle drives originated. And the cow towns are what grew up where the, where the railway lines were, so where they were bringing the cows to. Anyway, this cow town is called Oglala in Nebraska. And uh, in nine years, in this cow town, they had a recorded six killings. 
in nine years. Six people are said to have been killed in this. There's only one cow town. It's only one example. But to put that into context, um, I had a little bit of a, a research myself because that's the kind of guy I am. And from April 2016 to March 2017, in West Yorkshire, so that's one year, 32 people were killed. That's now. So when we think of the Wild West, West Yorkshire could be called the Wild West Yorkshire, if, if we go by those statistics. Right, we're back again. So we're going to carry on our debate about whether or not the West was really wild. And we're going to start with the man Riley. Over to you. Um, so I think the West is wild. Um, and I just want to talk about how Beth said that um, there was very strict gun laws in, in certain places. Even though that's true, that didn't really stop people from commi uh, committing crimes with guns or shootouts and stuff like that. I believe as um, it said that there's tw over 20,000 people were shot um, in a certain time uh, range, which was quite short, it was only about a decade or something. I've had a look in the textbook and what it tells us is that some historians have estimated that between 1866 and 1900, so 34 years, 20,000 people are estimated to have, to have been shot dead in the West, which works out at about 600 a year. But other historians have argued that that figure is actually massively exaggerated. One historian called Robert Dijkstra, something like that, Claimed in his book, The Cattle Towns, in 1968, that only 45 killings took place between 1867 and 1885 in cow towns. That might also be an under-exaggeration, but we'll never really know. And back we go to Riley. Um, and um, also because of stuff like vigilantism and the lack of technology and a lack of transportation for the policing system to get around, um, I believe that a lot of shootouts did happen um, and it was wild. Uh, I I agree with Riley. I think that, you know, the Wild West was really wild. You know, in the movies, with the Wild West, it's like cowboys and Indians, saloon brawls, fights, alcohol, guns, card games, horses, all that kind of stuff. But the thing, that the reality is cowboys were mostly ex-slaves released from uh, the southern states. Uh, Civil War, former soldiers, young men from the South struggling for work. And after the long and tedious cattle drives that they were on, they arrived at the cow towns. The first cow town was Abilene, as we said earlier. don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. Abilene. Abilene. I always say... I'm not actually. Abilene. I always say Abilene. Abilene, Yeah, whatever. I like I got my stupid little rhyme on it. But anyway, carry on. Yeah. Um... That was created by Joseph McCoy. The cowboys, when they arrived to the cow towns, they were paid. And this is where the reputation of the cowboys was created. They celebrated, they gambled and went to bars, got in fights with guns and drank. So that was kind of where this whole Wild West movie reputation was kind of created in these cow towns. So in the cow towns, it was wild. But this didn't last for very long because once ranches were created, this this kind of stopped. Yeah. I'll, I'll drop in an interesting fact there because you were going through the different types of cowboys and you're absolutely right. In the films, cowboys were usually like blue-eyed, handsome American men, in my opinion. Um, and in, in reality, they weren't. And in fact, many cowboys were Indians. 
Now that makes people so confused that they, they go cross-eyed with it. And um, because what? What do you mean they they cowards? Yeah, so lots of uh, Native Americans who d- actually did leave their society, uh, the Native American way of life, and tried to integrate in American society, but then they didn't have education, so they had to take these low-paid, low-skilled jobs. And the camp cowboy life has definitely been made far more glamorous than it really was by, by Hollywood. Usually they were out in the middle of nowhere for, for days, weeks on end, with just a few other people for company. In terrible danger a lot of the time, and a lot of cowboys had died from rattlesnakes biting them, from drowning, just from exposure, because they're basically going through really intense heat plays and really cold in the night. There's so many different things that could have killed you, and you don't get paid very much. Now, the reason why they went a bit crazy in places like Abilene, and my, my favourite cow town is Dodge City, because it's just got the best name, um, is because that's where they would have... That's the only time in, in maybe a month or two where they would have anywhere anywhere where they could spend any money. So even though they didn't get paid much, for like a couple of days at the end of the cattle drive, they'd feel rich. And I just imagine that Dodge City and Abilene and these cow towns must have just been like one long, very crazy stag do. Like a a Wild West version of The Hangover, but all the time, every single day. Um, But that's where they would blow off steam. After all that danger, after all the hardship and boredom, they get, and these are young men as well. You know what young men are like, don't we, right? Rowdy. Rowdy, yeah. He, he made no comment there. That's very very p- politics of you. Um, but there, lots of young men, without badly educated young men, without much prospects in life, without families, suddenly turning up and descending on a town with a big chunk of money. Even though they didn't get paid much day by day to them, when they got paid, it'd be like, woo. Prob- or even, yeehaw, I've got all this money. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend it all up. Um, so, yeah, perhaps in those cow towns, there was perhaps an element of, of wildness there. Have we got any other examples from you, Beth, of things maybe not being so wild? Um, you owe me one. I think I am. You slave? Well, obviously, there'll always be exceptions to an argument and to... Um, an exception to um, what, I've, what I'm arguing for, the Wild West, not actually being so wild. Um, there's obviously cowboys such as Billy the Kid, although he became an outlaw after killing eight men. And he um, he was murdered age 21, which is really, really young when you think about it. So like when you talk about young men and stuff and cowboys being young. And he was killed um, on July 14th, 1881. Everybody's heard about Billy the Kid. I mean, he's so famous that I think there was a cartoon from just before I was, uh, like, I think it was around still when I was a little kid, but it was called Billy the Fish. I think he played football or something. Anyway, he was so famous that things have been called Billy the Fish. He had a good name, didn't he? People with good names, they get remembered really well. And uh, Billy the Kid was typical of many people who went west. He, he went originally with his with his mum, I think, and ended up an orphan and uh, turned to a life of crime himself, but a lonely life of crime. He was a cattle rustler. And for one reason or another, a, a cattle baron in, in a place called Lincoln County either caught him or whatever happened, they took him on board. And the one thing that Billy, Kid, Billy the Kid was really good at was shooting. Um, and he made sure he was very good at shooting by practising all the time. And Billy the Kid is, is a criminal, but was he a criminal? By the letter of the law, he was a criminal. He killed a sheriff. But the sheriff had been responsible for killing 
Billy the Kid's mentor, the person who took him under his wing, which, oh, well, he certainly had a hand in it, it was called John Tunstall. And um, the sheriff had helped to organise the situation where John Tunstall was murdered. Billy the Kid, incensed by it, because this guy was like a father figure to him by many accounts, went and then went on a bit of a rampage and tried to hunt down and kill all of the people that were responsible. And it was many of the influential people in Lincoln County who were upset at John Tunstall for taking power. That is an example of lawlessness because the sheriff, he is called the sheriff, but he's working outside the boundaries of the law. And Billy the Kid had felt like he had to take the law into his own hands. Eventually, he was one of those people who was on those famous Wanted Dead or Alive posters. And he actually got captured once, interviewed by the newspapers, and then escaped after being interviewed in prison by the newspapers, which made him even more famous. But a sheriff, I can't remember the name of the sheriff of the tournament. It was Sheriff Pat Garrett. And before this, there was a massive bounty price on Billy the Kid's head put there by the governor of the state of New Mexico. And I've got another interesting fact linked to this sort of topic because these wanted dead or alive posters um, was it were in the age of photography. And what people would do if they had killed a criminal who was wanted dead or alive is they would get their body, take it to some photographer and have the body photographed, um, usually riddled with bullet holes to send to whoever put up the reward to prove that they'd caught and killed the person that they said they had. So you can actually find photographs, should you wish to, of of this sort of thing happening in the West. But a sheriff, sheriff tracked him down and, and killed him. Very, very young, very fast, very hard life, very difficult life, but now, now he's gone down in history, Billy the Kid. Uh, there's also another example of a sheriff which went outside the bounds of the law. And there was a really blurred line between the law and not the law and and good and evil and that sort of thing in in the Wild West. And he's, um, what's he called now? Henry Plummer, Sheriff Henry Plummer. And he he worked in a place called Bannock, Montana. And I always get students to remember that because Hannah, Montana. Um, So Bannock, Montana. And what was going on in Bannock, Montana? I imagine the people there. They, they must have started to twig onto it because there were there were people getting robbed outside Bannock, Montana all the time by what they would call a group of road agents, basically highwaymen that were robbing people coming in and out of the town. But so, pe- criminals were getting caught. But these particular criminals were still managing to keep operating and robbing people blind without ever being caught. And what actually turned out was happening was Sheriff Henry Plummer was the leader of the road agents. So he was getting rid of the opposition, any possible other co- like rival criminal gangs in his role as the sheriff, so that the road agents could just fill their boots and de- deal with the, get, get anybody that they want and steal what, steal what they want, and they were never going to get caught until somebody worked it out. And then... Well, I was just going to kind of say, like, it's foreign to us, but, you know, law enforcement back in the Wild West, there either wasn't much or it was corrupt. So they... People did take law into their own hands. There was vigilantes, the the Pinkerton Detective Agency, and people went on rampages. So, I mean, it seems different and weird to us, but in the Wild West, this was normal. People took law into their own hands. In small towns and things like that, they would make up their own laws, or it was just lawless, because they couldn't trust the law enforcement. So, yeah. That is a really good point. And the vigilantism that you mentioned is uh, what happened to Henry Plummer. 
yeah, yeah. So um, Henry Pullman, um, after being caught and people actually caught on to what he was doing, um, they lynched him, didn't they? We lynched him about a trial um, and killed him. So this is what I'm saying. Because of the blurred lines, people went off morals instead of um, law. Um, so if they thought something was immoral, they'd deal with it themselves. And because everyone believed like that, it was kind of like the law was uh, vigilantism and people just kind of just did what they thought was right instead of like looking at the law. So. Great points. And um, you know what you were saying about how people take the law into their own hands? I'm going to fast forward a bit outside the course of, of NXL and all through politics of American history. For a lot of the 20th century, there was a phrase which cropped up, which Americans were quite proud of, which was sort of born in the West. It's a phrase that is called rugged individualism, where, you know, like rugged, if somebody's rugged, they're like hard. So somebody who's a bit rugged, a bit rough, and individualism is like, it's sort of the idea of people making it on their own and dealing with things themselves and when, for example, they started to introduce pensions in America, one of the counter-arguments to it are free health care for certain people or benefit payments for losing your job or whatever it is, people would say, no, we're giving out too many handouts. We're going to lose that sense of rugged individualism, which is very, very closely linked with, with the Wild West. So there, there's definitely some, some reason to suggest that law enforcement was very hit and miss. And you also mentioned the Pinkerton Detective Agency, which is another great name thing. I always call them the Pinkertons because that's how I feel that it should be said. Um, stick in your head more as well, Pinkerton, like that. Um, but they, they, were, they still are, they still exist, by the way. But they were a really powerful, wealthy uh, detective, private detective agency that, that emerged. Now, can you name a really wealthy, powerful detective agency in England? I can't. Because we've got a we we've a smaller country, so it's e it was easier to police in the Victorian sort of nineteenth um, century era. But we didn't need a private detective agency. They do exist, but in the Wild West, if you were struggling to get a problem solved, your rugged individual and maybe you were f feeling that you couldn't solve it yourself, you had that opportunity to pay for a, a professional detective private force to deal with it for you. And the fact that they became such a powerful, wealthy force tells you that maybe the law enforcement wasn't particularly good because I wouldn't be paying for somebody to go and detect something for me because I know if I go to the police, they'll sort it out. Clearly then, they didn't think the police were going to necessarily sort it out, which is why wealthier people who could afford it would often employ the Pinkertons. Yeah, um, it seemed that, another reason I think it was quite wild, it seemed that you paid for what you got. So, for instance, there was a lot of times when people would get court cases and because of how rich they were, they were able to delay it. I'm sure it was happened with the RK Crow when they tried to, um, after it, they tried to, I can't remember what the exact story, anyway, they ended up being able to pay out the whole city and stop and prolong it for long enough that they couldn't pay for the court case. So, um, yeah, yeah. You're talking about the Johnson County War. <coughs> yeah. You're talking about the Johnson County War, yeah, there was... Um, they tra there some people, there was cattle ranchers against the homesteaders, basically, and the cattlemen were fed up of the homesteaders encroaching on their land and fencing off waterholes. So in the Johnson County War, the wealth and power of the cattle barons in Johnson County was being put to the test by these homesteaders coming in and claiming land, which previously had been seen as open range you could roam your cows around as long as you branded them you could have lots of different cattle ranches with cows in different places and what they did is accuse the homesteaders of cattle rustling there was definitely rustling going on but it was kind of an excuse all of the people 
that be, that came on the hit list of these cattle barons were not all cattle rustlers. They were people that were inconvenienced in them largely, and they hired Texan gunslingers to come and hunt these people down on the hit list, offering a bounty for each one killed. I mean, there were journalists with the hitmen that they employed. So they didn't do this undercover. They employed hitmen to go and get these so-called cattle rustlers. Um, and, yeah, it all went to be a bit of a catastrophe and ended up with the, the cattle rustlers having to be... Res uh, not the hitmen having to be rescued by the US Army because, uh, basically, Johnson County, the the sheriff and the people turned against them and outnumbered them and... Oh, but yeah, they they got away with it. They went. To, they did kill two people. They went specifically to kill people. There were journalists there. There was ample evidence to say this was happening, and it had been organised by the cattlemen. And they got away with it through money because the cattle barons were really wealthy. They just paid for the court case to be extended through every possible technicality until Johnson County, as a state, didn't, uh, as a, as a like a, their council, if you like, their authorities couldn't carry on paying for the court case, so they got away with it. They had to drop the case. I mean, that's, yeah, people getting away with literally murder. It's, it's crazy. Okay. I just kind of, I had another thought. I just wanted to touch on, like, the Indians, because we haven't really discussed that at all. But the Indians, they were nomads. They They followed where the buffalo was. They... They didn't have one home. They had tents and teepees. And, I mean, when you say, like, animals living in the wild, like, that was what the Indians were. They, they followed where the buffalo was, were, went. Went. There we go. They, <laughs> they were wild. They, they didn't have a home, and they weren't... They, I mean, until later on with the wars, they weren't really controlled by the Americans, and they roamed wherever in, in, in America. So what he's saying is, by definition, they they were living wild. So perhaps we're touching on something here through our discussions that maybe it depended on who you were as to how wild life was in the West, and they were living amongst nature and depending upon nature. So maybe the Native Americans were wild. But you did also say at the start, so maybe time could have an impact on how wild the West was and when when. I'm not sure exactly when, but I've done some research, and um, basically, um, Indians um, believed that they they didn't really like conflict, so they tried to avoid it as much as possible. And um, Indian parties would actually run away from conflict and stuff when Americans would try and come to them. So I guess we'd have to uh, we're talking about the meaning of the word here, wild. If we're talking wild as in fighting and violence, that suggests that Native Americans weren't being so wild. If we're suggesting wild as in it was like an animal kingdom, like survival of the fittest sort of thing, they were living amongst nature in a wild sort of way out of not out of the rest of society. So yeah, the the, the definition of the word wild we've touched on something there, and we're trying to get into the nitty gritty of it because of your excellent points that you're all making. We got something else to make there. I thought you were saying. I was just saying wild didn't also mean violent. It could just mean that like it was different to everywhere around the world because it was such a new place. And it was, um, well, obviously not to the Indians, but to the people moving in and all the different cultures and the variation in everything. It was wild because it was brand new. No one had ever seen it before in, in history. So just to point out what Beth said with the Indians being peaceful, um, even before the... Um, different um, people from different countries started coming into America. The Native Indians and the different tribes used to f uh, raid each other for, go uh, for cattle and resources and stuff like that. 
um, and tribes and tribes still did have fights, but it wasn't about like killing all of the other uh, people. It's more about like benefit, like benefits to the tribe, yeah, and also honor to say that your tribe would beat another tribe. The two things which they seemed to want to go to war for was to steal horses and to steal wives. Um, because it, it seems sort of bizarre. I mean, I would find I find it difficult to keep one wife happy. <laughs> so going and stealing wives would just be making more problems. But what, on a serious note, they, their life was so precarious. That life expectancy was short. They lived dangerous lives. They didn't have much knowledge of medicine. And so being able to have more children was so important for the individual Native American bands. That's why they would <laughs> steal women. Um, and it was sort of an accepted thing. You would you would take these... And the most you would lose honor massively if you so you managed to have your horses or your women stolen from under your nose, and and that's one thing why they came into a lot of conflict with settlers because to a Native American it was a thing of great honor and it was really clever to be able to steal a horse, whereas when the settlers come in and the Indians are nicking the horses, they go, "Oh, you're nicking our blooming criminals!" because it's a completely different way of looking at life and. Also, with warfare, you were talking before about how they were they would run away from from potential conflict, because to a Native American, they think, well, if you're outnumbered and you're going to lose, what the hell would you stand there and fight for? Whereas we look at it and you're like, you stand and fight, and if you don't stand and fight, you're a coward. If you run away, you're a coward, and and I think that's just ingrained in our society through our history. It's just part of our, how we are as a culture. Yeah. And that's why we have things like conscientious objectors and we used to look down upon them, even in like the war, because it was like, your country needs help, like you need to go fight and not like, even if you think you're going to lose, you need to go fight and try help for like your family or the crown or like whatever. Or other people's families. Yeah. Bit of crime and punishment in there, Riley, give me a high five. Well done. Yeah, so, um, yeah, and I think I, I'm, I'm with the Native Americans on this one. I think it is a bit stupid to stand and fight if you're outnumbered and going to lose. Anyway, do, have we got any other points? Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to touch on land rushes because once the Americans had kind of almost kind of conquered the Indians and moved them onto reservations, they had all this land which the Indians had lived on and stuff. And so... They didn't know what to do with it, so they had something called land rushes where people would literally race to get to the land, fence it off and go, this is mine. Um, the, one of the biggest ones was the Oklahoma land rush. I don't know the date. There were a few Oklahoma land rushes as more and more of former Native American territory became available. But the biggest one was in 1893. Yeah, the, these land rushes, people were literally racing to get to the land just to have something of theirs. They, they, I mean, they murdered other people and they were racing with horses and carts just to get to this land. And it was wild. It was, it was like animals racing for the prey. It was, it was insane. <laughs> I, can't, I don't know how to explain it, but yeah. You've done it. You, yeah. You've, you've explained it. And so, on to conclusions. Now, we all know what we already think. We've got, like a great historian always would do in their history answers, we've started by outlining what we think. And we've got Riley who thinks it was wild. We've got uh, uh, Izzy who thinks it wasn't. It was wild as well. And we think, we've got Beth who thinks it was, wasn't so wild. And then I will deliver my conclusion at the end and, and you'll, you'll see what I think about it. But the beauty of history is it doesn't mean I'm not right. Just because I'm the teacher, 
you can argue anything so long as you can back it up. And you've all proven that you can definitely back it up. So who wants to be first with their conclusion? Yes. Go on then. Over to Izzy. Well, overall, I think that the wild that the West was wild, um, but up to a certain point. At, one, at some point, law enforcement started to take more control. And I think that for a short period of time, it was wild. Uh, well, I actually think that um, the West was more like the mild West more than anything. <laughs> um, I believe the, wild, uh, the West was wild because even though it happened over like a century, not a century, like over a hundred years, um, can I read, can I read it out? Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, my conclusion, yeah, my conclusion was, um, oh, my conclusion is the wild uh, was. Uh, <laughs> I think I might have to keep this in, Riley, because it's really funny. Go on, try again. Try again. Yeah. yeah. Um, my conclusion what um, is that the West was wild um, because of the. The people that uh, just the variation in and how it was different. The world had never seen anything like it before, um, and the thousands thousands of people that had access to guns and the lawlessness and the massive population spurts. Just the, just loads of things. Um, I think adds up to the West being wild. Now, Beth, you were obviously and rightfully delighted with your little soundbite about the mild West, but you need to uh, give us the, the main reason why you think it was the mild West. Um. Really, they were over-exaggerated by like dime novels and stuff, and they really like bounced off each other with like Hollywood movies and stuff. So today we have like this whole idea of it being like really wild and really sort of really just unrealistic when you really think about it. Yeah, I can see what Beth means because like as as a child, as you play cowboys and Indians with your friends, you don't you know walk around for months on end with cows through deserts and try to look for a railroad. You 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 go around doing shootouts and. Stuff like that. So I can see because uh, of the massive uh, span of the Wild West, and the, the, are you are obviously going to have thousands of stories. We have thousands of stories now, just from the last ten years that were crazy um, in our society. So um, yeah, that's what I think. And so to my conclusion, I think that whether it was wild or not depended when it was wild. So when you're looking. So for example, at the start of the period, especially before the gold rush that you mentioned of, of 1849. The people who were moving west were often families of farmers who had been struggling or fed up with the, the lack of land in the east and wanted to go to try to get more land and to take advantage of the land. Yeah, and, and the... The economic depression. Exactly. And so families, they're not particularly known for wildness. I mean, uh, I, I, am, I am a father of a, of a young family and the wildest that I get is sometimes I stay up till 10 o'clock to watch the end of the football. That's true. That's what happens. But... After the gold rush, the type of migrant changed to very often being young men without ties or, or men who often, yeah, cause perhaps with the family dad, like Billy the Kid, but also like men who uh, had lost everything because of the Civil War. Um, and young men, they can cause a lot more trouble than families. Uh, I think it also depends on where. So as we've talked about, you can sneeze if you want, Beth. Just sneeze, set it out. Okay, well, you're doing a really good funny face. Oh, sorry, that was easy. Um, don't worry, I'll just edit it out. What was I saying? Yes, it also depends on where. So if you went to California where the gold rushes was happening, that was probably more likely to be wild. If you went to Lincoln County where the Billy the Kid story was happening, perhaps more likely to be wild. But if you lived on a homestead in the middle of nowhere, 
it's probably boring more than anything. If you were a cowboy in the cow town, probably wild. If you were in the if you were on the cattle drive, which is where they spent most of the time, you're probably just bored most of the time. So it also depends not only on when, where, but also who you were. Adding to that bit with the homesteaders, it it would it has to be boring because of the massive amount of land between each person. So there was like, nothing could have happened unless you like, had an argument with your family or anything like that. So I would have said it was a lot, a very um, very like every day was the exact same, um, and very monotonous for people that were homesteaders. So. And, and and also on the side of, of of who you were, if you were a cowboy, of course, times of your life might be. Um, might be exciting, but if you're a homesteader, probably not quite so wild. And that also mixes in with the Native Americans, who generally, from most accounts that I've seen, were quite peaceful until after the Civil War, where the Americans really encroached on their land, and then they tried to fight back, and then their life got really desperate, and they were engaged in a desperate, bitter struggle. So time, who, where, when, it's all really important for deciding whether it was wild or not. But the main thing is, the image of the Wild West that we've got is largely from television and from films and from books, uh, as in there's lots of like fiction books about the Wild West, and they, they focus on the interesting stuff, otherwise the film would be boring and the documentary would be boring. They, they focus on Billy the Kid and they focus on Wyatt Earp and they focus on the, the Battle of Little Bighorn because they're interesting, exciting things. So therefore, this... I do think it was a bit of a myth, the Wild West. I think it was definitely wild in places for some people at some times. But this, I think the myth has been massively exaggerated, largely because of the media. And I tell you what, you three have been magnificent with your preparation, with your points, with your Wild West, and your, you don't play Cowboys and Indians from walking around with cows for ages. Brilliant lines, brilliant preparation, brilliant stuff. Well done. Absolutely fantastic. Fantastic.